The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello, Malden. Welcome to 02148 Live. It is January 15, 2020. Happy New Year, Malden. It's uh, been a while since I saw you. I guess it was uh, just a month ago, right before Christmas. Hope everybody had a great New Year. Um, today, actually, is the great Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Of course, we're celebrating his uh, legacy and birthday uh, this upcoming weekend, this Monday, but today's actually his birthday. I believe he would have been 91 today. Wow. Wrap your mind around that. Of course, tragically assassinated back in 68 at the age of 39, if you can believe that. But anyways, I am not here to give you a history lesson. I'm here to provide you with entertainment, and I am so uh, excited to uh, welcome my first guest, who's a, a good friend of mine. And he is the president of MOA, Malden Overcoming Addiction. Please welcome to the program, Mr. Paul Hammersley. Thank you, Michael. Good to ha see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, yes. absolutely. It's been a couple months. It's been a while. It's been uh, probably four or five months since I've been on. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I ran into you like I usually do around Thanksgiving yep. time, right? Every every Thanksgiving, we see ourselves at the traditional stop. Yes. That we both... Uh, Jack's. There you go, Jack's Restaurante. Uh, you eat in and I take out. That's right. Uh, so how's things, my friend? Things are good. Thing, things are busy. Things are well. Uh, couldn't, you know, the family's good. Everybody's yeah. blessed. You know, everything's good. Lot going on with MOA as usual? Lot going on with MOA. I mean, it's, you know, um, it's a lot of events happening. Um, we just did our annual New Year's Eve celebration. It's called Celebrate Sober, a very successful evening. Uh, we had that at Club 24. That's where we create a space for people to... Uh, to come out and literally celebrate sober. They can yeah. come out, you know, a tough time of year, Mike, for people first get entering into recovery is the holidays, New Year's Eve, the night before Thanksgiving, your birthday, you know, big moments like that for people. And uh, we created a spot, New Year's Eve, that's kid-friendly, family-friendly. We come out, dance, uh, eat, and there's no alcohol. There's actually a water bar, and counselor Barbara Murphy provides the water bar. Wow. It, you I know, love that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. You can get that was the fourth one or the fifth? This was the fourth okay. Celebrate Sober, and yeah. she's been at every one, and just the whole community gets involved, and we dance and sing and eat, and this, it ranges from age three to age 80. Just, we usually get 150 to 200 people come out and uh, just ring in the New Year. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and where was that at? Club 24. Oh. Yeah, right on Salem Street. We do it. Uh, they, they actually donate the whole club to Malden Overcoming Addiction. So if there's overflow, you can go downstairs, shoot pool, you know, watch TV. Um, but, but again, basically, it's so you never have to be alone on a tough night. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so listen, we're, we we're going to talk about a lot of uh, the events uh, that have just happened with MOA and, of course, upcoming events as well. Uh, well um, you got a new job, don't you? Yeah, well, um, I transitioned over about a year and a half ago into the health department from the mayor's office. Right. I am uh, the addiction recovery resource specialist for the city of Malden. So what that means is um, folks can now come right into City Hall that may be looking for help. Families can come in. Actual people can come in that are in need of assistance from substance use um, disorder. You right. Know, whatever, someone's, whatever someone's ailing they can come right into City Hall and receive help. Um, it's been fantastic. I work directly with the Malden Police. I work with the Malden Fire Department, Cataldo Ambulance. We're in Recovery Court, Malden. Well, it used to be Malden Drug Court. Now yeah. it's Malden Recovery Court. Yeah. There's a couple of um, contracted coaches working with us. Yeah, we're, 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 
we're, we're doing good things in the city of Marlin. Yeah, and of course, um, first of all, just back up quick. MOA, six years since the beginning? Yeah, so 24, yeah, this is six years now. Wow. Yeah, and quick. And a year and a half in, in this job with the city. With the city, and, yeah. And, and so someone walks in. So MOA is, is your, your resource. Your so MOA yeah. is a nonprofit which has a couple of hundred members. And this is where some folks may get confused with, okay. with Paul Hammersley. What's my job? What do I do? Um, you help people. That's all I know. That's it. Malden Overcoming Addiction is a resource for the city of Malden, uh, for their residents. And that was started back in 2014. And, yep. and it got really busy and there was overflow. And that's not a paid position. Okay. That is just a nonprofit that I happen to be the president of. And there are a couple of hundred members doing really good work. We sure. can talk about the initiatives as we go. Yep. But my paid position is with the city of Malden in the health department. That's my job. And MOA is a big resource for the city of Malden. They do amazing things for the residents of the city of Malden. It seems like a natural fit to me. It's I don't know perfect. where the confusion. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Um, all right. So, and that's uh, that's the Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but, it's but, but your it's, phone rings all weekend. It's all. It? it doesn't stop. Um, you know, addiction knows no boundaries. That's right. Um, so, the, the, the calls come and. and you know, you just assist where you can. It's like everybody else. Everybody's given extra, Mike. I know. You know. And you've been doing it for a while. All right, my friend. Well, let's get back to, so that just happened, New Year's Eve. Yep. Um, just a couple months prior to that was the fourth annual vigil? Fifth annual that was candlelight the fifth. vigil. Yeah, that was the fifth. That was back in, um, that was in no, the beginning of November. Okay. That was on Daylight Savings, whatever, November 3rd, I think it was. Yeah, that was the fifth annual candlelight vigil. We, he we held that at, um, at Malden High School inside, um, not the courtyard, but in the gallery. Yeah. You, know, you entered through the courtyard, but right in the gallery. Yeah. And tell us the beginnings of that. How, where did that, uh, how did that start? Was it? It's, it's not funny, haha, but it's funny you ask. So that's how Malden Overcoming Addiction started. So there was a few of us that were meeting back in 2014 on how can we um, assist the residents of the city of Malden. And there was a lot of going back and forth on what to do. And after a few weeks of meeting, there was three or four of us that would meet. I said, well, gee, why don't we have an event? Why don't we honor the people that we've lost? Let's, let's see if we can pull together a vigil. And um, that's where it all started. And so the idea is we meet at Malden High School at 6 p.m., and a few hundred people show up. It's usually 250 or 300, and we march with candles around the high school. We walk down Salem, down Ferry, in through the courtyard, and we go into the gallery. And again, um, there's city officials involved, the fire department's involved, the um, chief of police is there. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a series of speakers that, that speak. There's always a parent of someone who lost a child that speaks. It's a very touching night. Yeah. Um, there's a person in recovery, and then it gets to the portion where there's a bell. That, um, Billy Sullivan, the deputy chief, rings a bell after every name of people who have passed. Oh, jeez. And then there's, there's, um, there's a screen and all the, the pictures of every person who has passed that has left us. We honor them, their memory, and a bell is rung for them. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just That's quite a there's all kinds ceremony. of resource tables there, yeah. and there's Narcan training, and it's just uh, it's needed. It, it's a must-do. It's, it's, uh, it's important that we never forget and we remember why we do what we very do. Very emotional, very cathartic yeah. for, for folks. Yeah, and, but it's needed. Yeah. Um, by the way, I think we have a little video. James Mudge in the booth tonight. I'm so blessed on this show. James, we have something, uh, the candlelight vigil that we could show the, the folks. We're going to get into what Malden Overcoming Addiction has been doing, what we have coming up. And you guys are an essential piece of that. We can talk about some recovery coaching, and wherever the conversation goes, it goes. And um, back in November, we had we had our fifth annual candlelight memorial vigil, and um, that's where we honor the folks who who have passed on. Um, we honor the families, and we never forget. You know, we always want to keep people's memories alive. And um, both of you spoke at that event, yeah. and. Um, you know, I just want to talk about the event a little bit. What were your feelings on it? And, and again, it, it's just one of the events we do every year. It's, it's, we haven't really had a chance to debrief since then, and it's, it's very moving. And for that whole week afterwards, it always, um, always affects me in a way. But 
you know, we the total number was 263 people that we've lost over the past five years in this general area where we live, and um, that's only the people who sent in the names. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's many more than that, and uh, you know, Carrie, I just wanted to pass over to you or Richie and, and just talk about your role in that night and that evening. Well, um, I really enjoyed that event. It really seemed like natural, and um, the intent was like it was like pure intentions. Um, but the one thing that stuck out the most to me is a person, uh, a male that I actually lived with in Malden, who I grew up with, um, who also passed away years ago. I've never seen his picture, his name come through any um, at any vigil. And so his name and picture came through the slideshow, and it, it took my breath away because um, it just brought back, like, just, like, the community as a whole because he died in Malden. I had him and I, like, lost contact in Malden, and I'm like, wow, this is so community-based and, like, based on the loss as a whole that, that Malden has really felt. And... Um, I, it gave me goosebumps. I started tearing up, and so for me, it was more powerful than most vigils mm -hmm. that I that I've um, been to. Okay, we're back. So that was. Uh, I hope I didn't mislead people that we were showing video of the vigil, but that was um, actually a show you do. That's right. Um, we have a show called Overcoming Addiction well, Monthly. Yep. That we um, whatever is the topic we feel people should be hearing about or know about it's it's kind of like this you do your show you bring to the public what you feel is important i do the same thing in the addiction world we bring people in monthly um and the show it, it's a really good tool to educate um the community yeah. absolutely know. it's a, you know what it's like to be a host then right I, I, uh, yeah. but talk about the two individuals that were actually in that clip so that was Kerry Ann Cacavaro and Richie Evans, and, and both of them spoke at the vigil, and both of them are recovery coaches for Malden Overcoming Addiction. Um, they're fantastic individuals. They were part of the vigil. They both know addiction firsthand, and all three of us, everyone that works, well, there's, there's three employees at MOA, um, there's three recovery coaches, and everyone is in recovery. So everyone has have passed, and we, you know, the... It's very important that lived experience is part of the recovery coach role. Okay. Because as you're talking to someone who's caught up, it's, it's good that you, you, know, you can let that person know you've been there as well. Yeah. And you can kind of show them the way out. But that's Carrie Ann and Richie, and they, they're just fantastic people. And how often do you do that show? Uh, monthly. Monthly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a monthly show. We do it once a month. I have a show coming up next week. And on its own YouTube page, part of... Uh... Yep, Malden Overcoming Addiction. Uh, on our website, MaldenOvercomingAddiction.com, if you scroll down on the homepage, you see four or five social media icons, and yeah. YouTube is one of them. And you just click on the YouTube, there's a whole bunch of videos of not just the show, but a whole bunch of things that we've done. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, those folk, that they're just so compelling, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of passion in this work. Yeah. Like, it's, everybody's passionate about this particular um, subject. Yep. Uh, all right, let's talk about some other events, some other yearly events that you do. Mm -hmm. And we'll back up before we go forward. Can we go back ahead. up to the, uh, I know you do a, an annual thank you to the folks that support That's in MOA. August. That's yeah. called, Ma that's called um, Malden Overcomes Day. Yes. And we, we, we do that at Lincoln Commons. Yes. So that's a fun basic, day. that's a great fun day that, that is filled with bouncy houses and, um, and music and food and barbecue and, and just a slew of, of kids' activities. If you can picture, it's sort of like a 4th of July event at the yeah. parks that you see. Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's exactly what we, we mirror it on. And um, we basically are saying thank you to the city of Malden for allowing us to, to be in the city and do the work that we do. We just can't be... We're just very grateful to be here, and you know the backing that we have from every from our city officials to our police and our fire. Not all communities get that. A lot of people believe in what we're doing, so it's really nice. And we we just run that event as just a come on down and and, and just have fun. Yeah, bring your kids and have fun. There's nothing. Yeah, there's no obligation. Nothing. No, nothing yeah, at all. No. It's totally free. That's our thank you to the city. 
Wow. Um, Comedy night. Tell me about that. So we do two fundraisers a year because obviously um, we're a grassroots organization that started with nothing. Um, We were taking money out of our own bank accounts at the beginning just to, for that first vigil we spoke of, that cost us a few hundred dollars just to run it. So we learned really quickly um, that we needed money to sustain. So we, we raise money every year um, to fund a couple of initiatives. One is our scholarship program, and one is our recovery coach program. So we do two fundraisers. Okay. The Comedy Night funds our scholarship program. So the, um, the scholarship program is a program where we sat collectively as a board and, and as, as, as a group and thought about what is the hardest part for someone in early recovery. And that is when someone goes away for treatment say detox it's yep. usually you go away for five to seven days and then if you don't have enough money or you don't have the right insurance they're kicking you back home on day seven and generally it's like a 98 percentile um someone is going to just keep up the same yep. behavior eventually once they just go home within six or seven days so we felt that the first 30 days could be crucial in someone's recovery. So we've created a program called the MOA Scholarship Program where if you fit our criteria, on our website there's an application. And if you follow that application and you feel like you want to be in sober living, we will pay for the first four weeks of your sober living. You you will get a recovery coach assigned to you, and we will work directly with you to help you find a job to where on week five you now are pay- you now have a paying job and are paying your own way and now you can continue in the recovery process on your own but we we literally pay for the first four weeks and it's usually about eight hundred dollars per person and we have sent 39 people through that program in the past two and a half years that's awesome and i'm very proud to say that we are at a 38 percent success rate which is unheard of we have 38 percent of those people so that's if you do the numbers 39 there's probably 15 or 16 people still in recovery some have 14 months clean right down to two weeks and so the money's raised at these fundraisers the, for the scholarship the, the money's raised yeah. at the fundraisers and there's a couple of people who um the Baird Foundation is a huge huge part of us uh, they, they help us out with some grants yeah. um, Yes. Okay. And the Cummings, we have gotten a $100,000 Cummings grant for our recovery coach program um, two years ago. So people are, are, it's catching on on what we're doing, but the scholarship program is really, really successful. Now, just like you say, five to seven days isn't going to do it. No. Now, what, what are the statistics? What are the 30 days? Is that going to do it? Does generally sick, no. you know, is it, is it? The, the numbers are staggering. So all in all, they say three out of 100 achieve some recovery. The odds are really, really stacked up against folks. That's um, frightening. It's frightening. It, that's a great word. It's frightening, and the drugs are getting stronger. But, you know, you, I, like I tell people, be, the, be one of the three. Yeah. You know, you just be one of the three. That's all. That's all. That's the way you have to look at it. Yeah. It's all up to the individual. Like myself, um, I struggled for for a lot of years. I struggled for 29 years, and I didn't think someone like me would ever be able to um, partake in what we call life as a person in recovery. I didn't think that was possible. So, at a very, I was older. I was 37 years old when I entered in, so I'll be celebrating my 17th year this year. I was just going to ask you. Unbelievable, man. Congratulations. Yeah, but, so I know that it's possible. Yeah. You know, and so that's why, you know, that, that, that drives me. That's my motivation. Um, and, again, we, we, can, we can do this. You know, you just, you just have to, when is enough enough? Yeah. You know, the, and the, the death rate is up. The overdose rate is up. Um, What's the main killer? Uh, yeah, I don't mean to... Is it fentanyl? Is that yeah. the main monster on the streets? It's a, it's a yes. T- the, the short answer is yes, but there is a mixture. Um, you know, fentanyl with clonopin, fentanyl. It's always a mix, but fentanyl is fentanyl hit in about 2014. The numbers weren't what they were before 2014. Um, in 2014, fent- people figured out. I don't know if people know what fentanyl actually is. Do you know? Uh, You've probably had it. No, I don't know. Okay, so 
Fentanyl is if you go for surgery, if you go into an ER, maybe a man, if he yeah. gets a colonoscopy, or if you're just getting any type of surgery, it's usually a mix of a fentanyl verset that they put you under and they monitor your heart with an anesthesiologist. And oh, they, right, right. They do the procedure. Yeah. It sends you off. They say, count back from 10. Well, people figured out how to get that drug on the street, and now they're putting that in heroin, and there's no anesthesiologist, <laughs> and, you know, um, yeah. that you can order it online. You can get it right from overseas. It's it's just becoming, uh, it's absolutely, hor it's horrendous. It's 100 times more stronger than morphine, um, 50 times more stronger than heroin. You know, it's it's, it's an epidemic. You yeah. know, it, it's, it, it, as of this point where we sit, it's not getting any better. So we have a lot of resources. We're in a better place now than we were, but every year the numbers are still the numbers and more young people are getting exposed and that's the key is the young people you know we believe that it starts and ends with with our young people and uh, if we can get the proper curriculum maybe health class back in and start educating the kids from K through 12 with a curriculum such as you know maybe teaching um, positive just positive attitudes strength building yeah in every year that goes by you start introducing something different to where they they say the average age is 10 to 12 before i don't care whose child it is <laughs> every child comes across something in their life in between age 10 and 12 in their pack of people they're with running across another pack of people and every child has a decision to make when something comes their way and if they don't have the proper information you could make a poor decision and that could change the, the course and direction of your life. So I believe it, it starts and ends with educating our kids. That's very important is to educate our young people so when it comes down to that 10 to 12 decision, yeah. they have, they're armed with enough information to be able to say, you know what, yeah. I'm good, I'm, I'll, I'll just see you guys later and not worry about the peer pressure. And it's the, so hard with the, the peer pressure it is, at that age. It we is all know. brutal. And yeah. But unfortunately, we're up against something very powerful. Um, so that's, that's where we believe is, is a very good place to start. Yep. They, they, they say it could be too generational. Take that we, long to... Well, they, you know, what, what I'm told, and I do a lot of trainings, and I do a lot of um, just outside classes, and mm -hmm. they, they say things like, you'll be gone and your kids will be gone, their kids will see the change. They put it to you like the same way cigarettes. People understand that because in the 1930s and 40s when it was really cool with the Marlboro Man and Joe Camel right. and all of that stuff. And then Change in the 60s, that. they mm -hmm. figured out secondhand smoke and people were getting sick. And then next thing you know, it's cancer. And, and, and then by the 90s and 2000s, it wasn't allowed. You couldn't smoke anywhere. It wasn't allowed in any restaurant. No. Now, now I'd say eight out of ten people don't even smoke cigarettes. Back then, everybody smoked. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a took, former smoker myself. Me too, so, and it yeah. took two generations yep. for that to and make And now it's change. like you say, because it's conditionally, the behavior changed over a couple generations, but it's like, I remember they were banning it everywhere. When mm -hmm. I still said, what are you banning it for, you know? Right. And uh, now you're like, you wouldn't even think of people smoking in, you know, and in, in, in when an you airplane. see someone smoking you used to now, smoke on an airplane. and now the stigma is on the person that's smoking. It's oh, like yeah. When you see yeah. that person on the corner, yeah. it just, you know, but yeah. it took two generations yeah. for that to change, that's and that's where we're at with, with, with the drugs, yeah. with the fentanyl, with, with the whole. And I believe OxyContin changed that game 20 years ago when they came out with the, you know, Purdue Pharma, and when they had those pills come out for, for the cancer patients, they had a little gel cap on them, and once people figured out taking the gel cap off and crushing these pills down and that changed everything yeah that's where it all started that was back in the late 90s and i, I know and it certainly is an opioid epidemic mm -hmm. but you still but i think i don't know if it was on moa's facebook page or some literature that i was just reading that you still deal with alcohol uh related that's abuse. correct and everyone it's so not it's not looked at and it's right now it's getting up there with the number one offender. I just posted something on MOA's Facebook page I yesterday. Think that's right. um, 
and the numbers have skyrocketed yeah. in the since 20 since 2009. The the alcohol related deaths are up 52 percent. Um, alcohol is a big problem. It is the hardest. It is the hardest substance to get clean off of, including opioids. It's you need help. Um, you, you physically can go into a convulsion. Yeah. There's so many things, yeah. but alcohol, because it's legal, yeah. you know, and it's it's uh, it's looked at differently. So I'm sure that's something you you see in yeah. your work as well. That's I know something the focus tonight is kind and, of and it and it's it goes hand in hand with the drug. Every person I deal with has an alcohol issue, as well as okay, as well as whatever else is ailing them, and we haven't even scratched the surface with mental illness. I mean, there's so many things that, that are going on right now, but alcohol is, um, it's really the number one offender. And, Paul, you mentioned just a few minutes ago your own battle, 29-year yeah. battle. Mm -hmm. uh, could you speak to that a little bit? What, what saved you? Well, I mean, it, again, it started with alcohol. And, and Were you a teenager? I was uh, nine. Uh, I was nine years old. Um, misguided, misled, you know, um, and it started with alcohol and then marijuana and then back, you know, an early preteen, you know, the, back in the day there was a lot of things called mescaline and THC and speed and it all just, um, I got caught up at a very, very young age and it changed, the, that first drink I took at nine changed the direction my of my God, life. I can't even, nine years old. It changed it because I live, see, addiction, Mike, I love talking the word addiction. When people hear that word, the first thing they think of is drugs. You, you just instantly, you get this look of a person. And that is so far from the truth. And I love to educate people. Addiction is the disease of more. Food, sex, money, credit cards, mm -hmm. drugs, alcohol, whatever it is that you're doing that is creating havoc in your life, gambling, mm, huge. Absolutely. When people are doing something that they can't stop doing or spending money they can't stop spending or whatever that looks like, right. addiction is real. People str I struggle with food as well. P I see people struggling with food because food changes the way you feel, sugar. It's, it's just something called the disease of addiction. Yep. So... Um, and that's how I try to help educate people. It's not drugs are these are all symptoms of addiction. That's all they are. They're like when I got rid of the drugs and alcohol, I was still left with me. I had a lot of work to do on myself. I had to get a lot of help. I had yeah. to figure out what makes me tick. Yeah. You know, and I believe if like everyone on the planet like went through a 12-step process, the planet would be a better place. You know, again, addiction is so much more than drugs. You know. And for you, is it, it, do you still attend meetings? Are I do. Still, yeah. So I have my own recovery plan. I have a home group. I have a sponsor. Um, I have a recovery coach. I still work on myself because I am no, I, I am as close to making a bad decision as the person with one day. I can still make a bad decision. That, that's what you have to understand. Like anyone. That's scary. It is scary. Yeah. And if I was to leave my program, I don't have a crystal ball, and I never, ever say that I'm cured. Yeah. I will die with the disease of addiction, and I just hope and pray that I'm in recovery when that day comes. Who's to say? Like, like Mike, let's we, we can get real here. Well, when I'm out at Thanksgiving and I'm out at Christmas and everyone's enjoying a cocktail or a yeah. glass of wine, if people think that I don't see that in some days, yeah, boy, I could have one. And I know I can't. So I have to leave. You know, I put a three-drink rule on everyone else. So when I'm talking with someone and I'm out, because sometimes my job takes me out and I might be in a restaurant sure. enjoying myself with my wife, when someone is on their third drink, their face changes. Their words change. Their mannerisms change. Yeah. And that's when I remove myself. Gotcha. See, that I have to stay very aware of my surroundings because I can easily make a mistake. So if I didn't have my own program to make sure that I'm constantly doing the right thing, creating constant vigilance in my life because there's something that's a danger to me, and that's drugs and alcohol. Alcohol is a danger to me.
I'm allergic to it. And I have to stay away from it. And as long as I stay away from it, I'm okay. Yeah. So if that hopefully answers your question, like my recovery is upfront and personal. It's with me every day. Yeah. I work on myself every day. Yeah, and so the this work must be this work, this desire, this passion to help other people, what must also be helping you. Is there it, a refuge in the work? It, it helps me, and then it's heartbreaking because there's more people you can't help okay. than you do help. But it's that one person that you do help that changes everything. It's all about one person. One person. If you can save one person, it's all worth it. Right. You know, when, when, when my phone rings and that call comes in, the hours that are spent trying to get that person to bed, talking that person off the ledge, dealing with that person's insurance, dealing with the detox, yeah. on and on and on it goes. Getting there, I mean, this, this, some of this stuff, and, and then at the end of the day, the person leaves the detox or the person chooses to use one more time and they die. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I was on the phone with them 20 minutes before that and then they die. So all those thoughts run through your head, what could I have done differently? Right. You know, nothing, there's nothing. No. You know, no. So it's gratifying, it's exhausting, but I wouldn't change a thing because I believe that this is my purpose. I don't know why I was spared through all the, all the things that I did, but this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So again- And that drives you? Drives me. Yeah. I give it 100%, 110%. You know, people, listen, at people, need this at the end of the day someone has to do this work to make to get the change that we all know that we need and someone needs to lay the foundation it has to be laid i'm not saying that person is me that person is there's a lot of people but you just can't give up on it you can't turn your back on it you can't turn your back on the person on the street that needs help because they might be panning for change you can't look at someone with stigma you have to help you just have to help is it Martin Luther King? What have you done for others? That's right. Question what you ha should ask. What have yeah. you done for others? Yeah. Like, you have to pay it forward. Yeah. Like, no one, when they were a baby or a child, says, I want to be a, a drug addict. I want to grow up and ruin everything. No one says that. Well, the, the other aspect of it, when, when you come across these folks or that are reaching out to you, um, a lot of times, everybody else in their life has abandoned them, correct? That's correct. Because you burn every bridge, and that's where I was at. You asked me, Mike, what was the final straw, and that was, um, I had overdosed in my father's house, and I woke up to him punching me in the side of the temple. And that's when he cut me off, threw me out. You know, that was my final straw. I had, you know, I had nowhere to go. I was 30, I was a 37-year-old man, homeless. Um, and that, I don't believe. And let me just say, if I could just ahead. jump in, that's powerful though. You said I, when I family abandoning them, that's probably not the right word. That they they cut their. That could be the right know, word. The bridges, I mean, you know, you know, they, they hate to use that word, but but Michael, unfortunately, when the person is ripping and running and taking, yeah, and, and yeah, the, I mean, the family no has to choice. cut you off, yeah. and, and that's yeah. what happened to yeah. me. Right. My father said to me, "You're not my son." Those were his exact words. He couldn't do it anymore. What I had put him through over the 29 years, he just couldn't take another minute, and I don't blame him for that. I thank him to this day. He saved my life. Our relationship is amazing today. Yeah. I take care of him today. Yeah. But like this, it, it ruins families. It tears people apart. It breaks up everything. Parents lose children. Children lose parents. It's absolutely horrifying what it does. And, and, and that's why we do what we do because, you know, there's a way out. Yeah. So, so your job, you never give up on these individuals. You can't. You, ne it's, you never, ever, ever give up because no one, I can't mention any names. There was a case I had two months ago, and I was told before I got the case by the person that was giving me the case, you're going to waste your time on this one, but I have to give you the case because the person says they need help, but you'll, you'll never break through. I said, just give me the case. I met the individual, worked with him for, for quite a few months. Um, I, I totally understood what the family was telling me. Yeah. 
but it doesn't matter. The person just needed the guidance. But you have to have, you have to work with someone, and every single person can change. There's not a person on the planet that cannot change. And now today, this person is away receiving help, and the family has contacted me, thanking me in tears. Like, it's just, and, and will that person remain? I don't know. Yeah. But we got through. Yeah. In, because if, once you show love and compassion to someone who hasn't received love and compassion for a very long time. Powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah. And then once that person knows that someone still cares about them and you meet that person where they're at and you just walk alongside that person even when they're using, that's the job of a recovery coach. It's not my job to point the finger and tell you what to do. It's my job to walk alongside of you and just be there with you while you're going through whatever it is you're going through and then sort of pave the way for you. Yeah. Kind of like repeat things back to you that you're doing when you can, then you can start to understand instead of, it's hard for families. Families can't really do the work with their family member. It's really, really hard for a family member to stand by their family member while they're using. It's difficult. So, you know, um, back to that case, that was one of the cases that I really, um, really enjoyed working on. You know, you, you hear that story, you yeah. see the family smiling. Now I see them today yeah. and they, they're smiling at me. And like, you can see their life. There's a light back in their pupils. The light is back on because before you could see the brokenness. And, and now the light's back on yeah. in that family's eyes. And, and that's, that's, um, that's why you do it, Paul. That's why we do it. Yeah. You know? Um, incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's hope out there, folks. Listen, somebody could be scrolling through the channels now, struggling, and you come upon this show. Maybe there's a reason. This is the guy you can call. How do we contact MOA? So you can contact MOA, um, MaldenOvercomingAddiction.com. That's the website. There's applications on there for a recovery coach or a scholarship program. That goes directly to my phone. Um, my phone number is 781-838-2203. The email for Malden Overcoming Addiction is MaldenOvercomingAddiction at gmail.com. Um, the Facebook page is very active, and I'm the only one that runs it, so you can put my face to it as you're integrating with Facebook. Um, you can message our Facebook page. That's where everything is on our Facebook page, so I strongly suggest that people go on and like Malden Overcoming Addictions Facebook. We're on Twitter at Malden Overcomes. We're on Instagram at Malden Overcomes. We have a YouTube page, Malden Overcoming Addiction. It's, there's so many ways to contact us. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, and you work with these, the, the shelters and the, because there's, you're, there's supposed to bed availability on a daily basis. So right? I, po I post that. So okay. It's um, basically, it's cold out, and starting on January 1st every year, I just, I post every morning at 8 o'clock, give or take a few minutes, like clockwork, I post the available detox beds. Okay. Okay, that's and that's across the state. I just post it up there for folks that may not want to call me, because some people still don't want to call because the stigma is there, and they may not be ready, so I post the beds anyway, and maybe they want to call for themselves. It's usually easier if they call me because I have a, I'll get through probably before you will, um, and it's a real, it's a, it's a difficult process to, to navigate the treatment. Um, it, it's not easy navigating the treatment, just the whole, the whole options that you need to do. So, but anyway, I, I post the beds, and then I also post the shelters. There's a whole bunch of shelters across the state, and I just post them. I just put them up there so yeah. folks know, and then people share them. And if someone sees that, and we keep somebody warm for the day or put food in their belly, Again, it's worth it because there's just so many people who are homeless. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, wow, here we are, 40 minutes into the program. Uh, how long is your program, by the way? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. 30 See, minutes. You've already been in overtime I, I, now. I can't, I can't do what you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great guests like you that uh, hopefully, hopefully tonight um, our people are getting an education. And again, if someone's out there struggling, there's help out there. And there's guys like, this guy dedicating his life to, to this work. It's very impressive. Um, but let's talk more about some, some of the, uh, you do these fun fundraisers, but yeah. did we mention that the, you know, I'm, I'm from, I'm a music man. Yeah, I'm yeah a me music too. family. Me too. Um, you've done these, what's it called, rock addiction so we fundraisers? Needed, we, we needed to run another fundraiser. We'd like to do two a year. So 
you know, we doing the comedy, so we sat down, and I know for me, you know, I've sang in a, I've, I've been in a rock band in recovery. I love music, like you do. You come from a background. Um, music is life. That's just music makes everything better. Yep. Music is feelings. And I, I said to the to the uh, the people involved, I said, why don't we see if we can run a rock and roll show with addiction and bring people together. And again, let's have a rock concert where people can come to clean just hang out and like awesome watch rock and roll yeah you know and uh so we're on our second annual the first one we we usually bring a cover band like a popular cover band um because i can't get the real thing because we don't have that much money <laughs> so we had kiss forever last year yeah, come in I was and, there. Uh, down it, the ia yeah down the yeah. irish america everything we do is at the irish american yep. they're very good to us yep. um and we had kiss forever last year and it was fantastic and this year we we went with um, Living on a Bad Name, a Bon Jovi tribute, which was... I missed that. I'm the, sorry it, I missed that. It was that. like two months ago. Yeah. It was fabulous. It was so good. Um, yeah, so again, that's... What's our, next? What, what's I got to, you know, we, we're thinking for next year now. I don't know what's next. Um, we, we just, we like to get a, a, a really good band that has a good draw, usually a cover band. I'm not against anything, so anything's open and a possibility if there was just a band that played covers, that does a variety of covers. Yeah. Right now we've locked on. We like the rock and roll. People like it. Yeah. Um, people come out for it. It's awesome. So I don't know what's for next year. Okay. Um, but I'm sure it'll be, you know, offline. To work off, on offline. It. Maybe I'll have an ask, Mike. But, <laughs> but, but, but you know. Listen, uh, well, let's not just skip over that Kiss Forever show because no. this guy right here, uh, I don't know. He left. He said he had to go to the bathroom. Next thing I know, he's, he's, he's in 11-inch heels, On stage, full yeah, yeah, yeah. makeup. So they, like the old saying goes, you take one for the team. Yeah. So yeah. What was that like? Uh, it, was, it was pretty interesting. So, you know, I did my speech in my suit, and uh, yeah. I had the makeup artist in the back, and I ran back, and it was all planned. The band had asked me to sing a song. And they gave me the song to prepare for, and I loved the song called Hide Your Heart, and I ran in the back, and they made me up, and I came out in the wig. No one knew. A lot of people didn't know it was me until the band introduced me, and it was just a lot of fun. I got up on stage with the band, sang the song, and it was... Uh, yeah, it was great. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Check it out. It's in YouTube. It's out there, yeah, right? Yeah, it's out there. It's on MOA's YouTube page. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Lots of fun. So we'll look forward to the next one. Um, we touched upon the comedy show, but I don't think we talked about the, the one coming up. And who, do you know the performers? We don't. It's da Dave Russo is who we deal with. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. always Dave, and it's always Paul Gilligan. And Dave, Dave brings a variety of comics. And yep. we've used um, Anthony Shabelli from oh, Malden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been in every year. We yep. like to bring it. We like to keep Malden comics. You know, but we let Dave run the show. It's it's Dave's comedy night. He Dave Russo is amazing. Yeah. He's just been Doing such a good partner for us. He he shows up and he um again, just a Malden guy that Malden we all grew up alum. together. Yeah. And, uh, he, yeah, it's been amazing. Just the support we're receiving across the board has been amazing. And what's the date on that? So we don't know yet. Oh. It's always in May. It's always around May 20th. <clears throat> it's on a Thursday night. We'll be uh, having that announcement coming up in the next uh, month or so. Yeah. Oh. Wow, yeah. a lot of great stuff happening. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, let's see, what else can we cover tonight? Um, what's happening in the, in the, not to take a left turn, but in oh. the, in the, as far as the state legislation and some of your goals and what's going on with the whole opioid, opioid epidemic fight well you know um jason lewis is a big is a big advocate for us so um you know jason was uh a, about a year and a half ago they tried to uh, help us out with the recovery center and they tried to get us some money in the, at that level and um they did put some money in for the recovery centers two years ago and about a year ago we did put in an application um we were not selected Okay. But but at that level, they put in 3.5 million, and if no one knows what a peer-to-peer -peer recovery center is, it's just a place where people go. There's absolutely no medication. There's no beds. There's no overnight guests. It's right. just a place for folks to go in recovery, where they can um, get a day around other people. And there's all resources in there. There's um, 
access to recovery and every recovery center takes on like a different mold but there's usually meetings at night of yep. all different types of meetings there's family stuff that goes on in there there's yoga <laughs> that might go on it, it's just a place for people to go that are in early recovery where they can be around each other and support one another and the people in the recovery centers are always active in the communities you know we had a vision of like people cleaning the bike path and working with just all kinds of Malden communities but we were not selected okay um, and we were hoping there's another one coming up this year we were hoping on um, possibly putting in for it again and because we're not giving up so we're hoping to still bring that recovery center to Malden uh, we don't know if we are. We don't have a place for it. We, um, it it's still something that, that's in the works, but we're really, really pushing, and Senator Lewis is one of our biggest allies. Sure. Yeah. Um, would it, would you, do you foresee to some of these places like house workshops, uh, oh, yeah. educational? So, yes. So uh, there's, there's something called access to recovery in, in, in um, every single recovery center, which could be, you know, they, they help people find work. They help people get transportation. There's, again, there's yoga classes. There's health and wellness in all of these places. Yeah. There is just a, there's computer classes. There, you know, there's downtime as well. There might be pool tables, but there's, there's classes for people because, let's face it, um, when people have taken a right turn in their life or a left turn and they've made some poor choices, they've gotten away from what's important. And when they come back, they might need a little help you know, maybe getting some computer classes under their belt and just meeting the right people and having some, some folks show them the, the right path. And it started with 10 centers, then it went to 18 centers, and now coming up, they're looking at having 23 centers. And pretty soon, um, I believe in the next five to 10 years, looking for a recovery center in every community is going to be as simple as looking for the senior center. Every community will have one because they save lives. And every community crime is down overdoses are down whoever has a recovery center that particular community where the recovery centers are it's proven that everything is down yeah because people are actually getting the help they need and would you because you spoke earlier of the importance of you know it may take a couple generations but child education early education Big. is this is this Part of it is this tie-in with that. It's, no, because there's the, many fronts. The, the recovery this. center is basically for people who who are trying to get into recovery. So if you can think about that rat on the wheel, Mike. So basically, what we're dealing with now is a generation people are using, coming back, using, coming back, That's dying, true. using, dying. If we can prevent the kids that are coming up. If you're thinking of it, like, if we can stop them from hitting and climaxing up here to getting into using, if this stops, this eventually goes away. We have to slow the kids uh, down. Yeah. We have to educate. That's the bottom line because the drugs, I call it the game. The game's not going anywhere. It's been here as long as I've been here and <laughs> many years before, and it's going to be here long after I'm gone, but we have to change the players. That's how I'm looking at it, yeah. and, and so I believe it starts and ends with our kids. Good so, stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, here we are, last 10, 12 minutes of the program. Um, again, folks, uh, anybody out there, if you know someone struggling or, or um, if you're watching now and you're having a hard time and you're struggling, there's help out there, call this man. Go to MOA website. Mm -hmm. Paul, do you have your number? 781-838-2203. Um, that number's on all the time. You can call if I, if I happen not to pick it up. There's a, there's a detailed message there, what you can do. Um, but I return every phone call, every text message. Um, yeah. Good stuff. I Absolutely. admire your work, my friend. You know, Mike, back at you. Um, yeah. Listen, we've... Uh, uh, Dealt with some heavy issues tonight. I wanted to uh, maybe bring a, 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 a lighter subject uh, between the both of us. I don't know if you know this is coming or not, but I thought we'd, we'd have a little fun as well. I think uh, so. Paul and I uh, basically became friends as adults. So I don't know if you know what adult men do when they get together, but they talk about their glory days in Little League Baseball. So, <laughs> so one day we're having a chat about, uh, you know, our heroics in, uh, in Little League Baseball. And we said, yeah, I was on this team. 
And I was on the Giants. The Giants were a National League, uh, right? Yeah. National League team in Malden, mm -hmm. the major leagues in Little League. I said, hey, I was on the Giants. And you said, I go, when? Well, it was late 70s. And I think you're younger. Are you younger than me? I'm 53. Okay, maybe you're you, too younger. And uh, I'm... I'll it was be 77, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but we didn't right. know the... You just said late 70s. I said, I'm late 70s. And then you started naming people. I go, I know that guy. And uh, then we went to the City Series, and you knew a lot of details, more I than I did. I have every detail in every my head. Every detail. That crushed me. So I said, that, that's weird. We yeah. knew the, uh, the mm -hmm. coach, mm -hmm. and, um, but I had no recollection of, of, of Paul, and, and he nor did he of me. So I went home, and I go, that's strange. Why didn't, and I went and dusted off my own, you know, I had to move my uh, MVP trophies. <laughs> and I found some pictures. And I go, oh, my God, me and Paul were on the same team mm -hmm. back in 1977. I texted you the picture. Mm -hmm. And now it's up on your screen, folks. That is the 1977. Well, we were champs of our division, weren't we? We were champs, and we lost the last game in the last inning with the last out. Yeah. I am. Uh, so if you're looking straight on, I am the uh, third person on the left, right? Uh, and Paul is directly across from me on the right side yeah. uh, from the bottom up, the third person in the middle. And we were teammates. Yes, we were. Isn't that incredible? That was at Pearl Street Stadium right there. Right, right. That was the, uh, the field right um, before Pizza Pizza. Oh, right yeah, Pearl that's Street. right. Well, behind it, you can... The orange line's right there. Yeah, the, orange, the track is right behind us. Yes. And yep. uh, that's down at McDonald Stadium. That's McDonald's right. McDonald Stadium, Pearl Street right there, and... Uh, I remember that like it was yesterday. Fun days. So what happened in that game, by the way? So we, I honestly, I, I don't remember much back then, and I never forgot. Um, so we were winning six to three. Bet you never thought you'd hear this tonight, huh? And uh, we had, it was a six-inning game back in the day. Yeah. And we had two outs. We needed one more out to go. I was playing first base. I can name all the players, but I won't do that. <laughs> and there was uh, a gentleman popped the ball up, and all either the catcher or the pitcher had to do was catch the pop-up, and we were City Series champs. And they ran into each other, and the ball hit the ground. I was on first, and now we have a runner on first. The next batter grounded to the third baseman, who in turn threw that ball over my head at first base, so now it's first and second. We were two batters away from their big batter. And I'll say his name, Al Amigo. He was the biggest threat growing up. This kid was just, you feared this kid when he had the bat. The next kid walks. So his base is loaded, and there's Al. <laughs> two outs. We're still up six to three. Al hits a deep ball off of the uh, left field wall, three-run score. It's a tie game, and the next batter was a wild pitch. Al stole home, and we lost seven to six. And I, I don't remember. Oh yeah, any of that. This oh, is yeah. uh, that's eerily similar to the '86 Red Sox, mm -hmm. that kind of collapse. Yeah, we, um, we we had that game. I laid on the ground crying, and their coach came over and consoled me and picked me up. He just gave me some words of wisdom. He taught me, you know, like he taught me what it was like that someone had to lose. Yeah. You know, but he was very consoling. I obviously blacked it all out. I no, I, I, I was. Recollection. Yeah, I wanted to win so bad. And I learned right there at an early age, you know, some win, some lose. But, yeah, we lost that game. Unbelievable. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? We both didn't know we were teammates nope. as kids. Nope. And, yeah, yeah, and I can uh, remember everybody on that, on, that, on that team. Uh, yeah, but well, you're not still angry about it, are you? Are you hurt? No, no, I'm good. <laughs> Doesn't forget <laughs> things, this guy. I like that. Yeah, well, that one I never forgot. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. A lot of details. Mm. Um, so what's, what's next, Paul? Uh, what's coming up next? We, so what's coming up next? Um, we're going to be talking about Stigma Day. That's coming up in April. That's where we, uh, we wear a ribbon. It's an online campaign. That's where the city of Malden school, the school department allows us to get in and speak to about 3,300 students and, and educate them on stigma. Oh, wow. That's they wear a, everybody wears a ribbon throughout the city, and you take a selfie, and you, you share it on any social media platform with the hashtag 
Malden Stop the Stigma, and we get to come in in half-hour intervals. Every single school in the city has participated, oh, except incredible. one, every year. Um, we go to all seven schools or eight schools, and there's one that doesn't participate, but we go to every school and we meet with each class and they build a banner and what they think stigma means to them. And I go in ahead of time and meet with the teachers and they start teaching the kids what stigma is. So the kids are aware before I get there and it's just a really powerful, powerful day. This will be the fifth annual um, stigma day. That's coming up in April. So that'll be our next, uh, the next thing we're going to start working on. And that's, that, that's really a wonderful thing to see, especially when you go online and social media. It's just like when you everywhere. Got, when and you the, got the hashtag. And yeah. The so, so last year was probably our most special one because, you know, high school is, is four years, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And last year was the fourth. So I got to witness a, a, from a ninth grader to a 12th grader saw me every year coming in. And I got to meet these kids. I get to watch them every year grow up, and they, they kind of call me the stigma guy. <laughs> but but uh, it's really, really, it's just a, it's a fantastic day. And, you know, hats off to the Malden Public Schools for uh, allowing us, again, to come in. And they, they let us go down as low as fifth grade. And, Paul, that's something that never ends. I mean, do you, do you especially when you, you come across person after person, the stigma remains. Is there something do you think could ever be lifted? It's gotten better. Um, I can't answer that question. It, it, it's gotten better. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, it's alive, it's well, and I noticed it more than ever this year. Um, we didn't get into it. I don't want to rehash some things that happened in the past few months, but the, the city still needs to be educated, and um, we will not give up. But it, it just is what it is. It's yeah. definitely gotten better. But people still, they don't understand that it's an actual disease. And um, the stigma is still alive. And, it, and it's, it, stigma can be crippling. Stigma kills. Yeah. People die. You know, so, and we, again, will not stop until we can educate each and every last person that we can. Till you know, my dying breath. That, that's my goal, just so people can just help people. Good stuff, my friend. Yeah, Good man. stuff. Um, you're never going to give up on these people. Ever. Ever. That's his passion. That's why I love this guy. I, I mean that. I admire your work. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Um, again, folks, uh, before we leave, we got a couple minutes left, but um, uh, Paul, give give everywhere they can contact you and the website. Yeah, so again, the website for Malden Overcoming Addiction is uh, MaldenOvercomingAddiction.com. The cell phone number is 781-838-2203. The email is MaldenOvercomingAddiction at gmail.com. The Facebook page is Malden Overcoming Addiction on Facebook. Twitter, at Malden Overcomes. Um, Instagram at Malden Overcomes, YouTube, you can reach us at Malden Overcoming Addiction. Um, there's, there's multiple ways to contact us. And if you're out and among, out and about in the city and you need help and you want to see me, you can come into my office. I'm in the health department working as the addiction recovery resource specialist Monday through Friday. You can walk right into 110 Pleasant Street, second floor, and I'll be there to help you out. Paul Hammersley, ladies and gentlemen. Paul, keep fighting a good fight. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, brother. Thanks right. for coming on. Absolutely. Okay, folks, hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Listen, in the spirit of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and I may add the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., I'll leave you with a quote, folks, because there's always hope. There is always hope, and these are his words of wisdom. He says, when our days become dreary with low-hovering clouds of despair... And when our nights become darker than a thousand midnights, let us remember that there is a creative force in the universe working to pull down the gigantic mountains of evil, a power that is able to make a way out of no way and transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. God bless you, Malden. We'll see you next month.